The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. We could have the ushers um, distribute the study sheets for us this morning. While we're waiting for that, you can turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. We began a study uh, about two and a half years ago now, I guess. Uh, recently, we've been in a, in, a, in a section entitled Discipleship. So we've, we're dealing with discipleship, and uh, in the first two lessons, uh, I, I explained, well, actually, it's been three lessons on discipleship now. The first lesson was defining discipleship, which we did. Then, then we started talking about the different elements of discipleship. And I said first that discipleship requires commitment, requires that we put God first uh, in our lives and and, and uh, in every aspect of our life. God is in the center. We don't, adjust, we don't find a way to fit God into our lives. Uh, God is our life, and we fit our life into God. And that's the way a Christian disciple uh, does. Now, you don't, you don't understand you can be a Christian and not be a disciple. Okay? A, a, a disciple, Jesus defined as someone who, who obeys him. So there are a lot of people who are believers that aren't living a discipled life. So understand that. So if we want to be a disciple, we have to have commitment, putting God first. Secondly, I said we had to have conformity, and conformity to the principles of the Word of God, conformity to Jesus' Jesus's teaching. If we see anything in America today, we see that people are changing the Word of God to fit their life. And uh, they're altering God's Word, and they're they're, they're, they're uh, reinterpreting scripture to make it say what they want it to say so that they feel justified in the way that they, uh, that they live. But we're to conform to the, to the principles of God. Uh, now today I want to continue by considering the third element in discipleship, and that is the word conduct. Conduct. And by conduct, I'm talking about a fruitful life. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you for this time we have. I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us and instruct us and uh, help us, Lord, to live our lives as true disciples of Christ. Thank you for this time. Now we ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're talking about conduct. Look with me at John chapter 15, and let's begin at verse number 5. We read here, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Now, for the purpose of our study this morning, 
I am referring to the word conduct in its usage as a noun. The word conduct can be used as either a verb or a noun. But today, in the context of our study, we're, we're defining conduct as a noun. And by definition, this means the manner of action or controlling oneself. It means the way a person behaves toward another person. So uh, I'm stating that discipleship requires good conduct. Now, this is something that most of us have been taught from our birth. We were taught, at least in my generation, young people were taught to behave. Uh, My father used to say children should be seen and not heard. Uh, if, If there was a gathering of people in our home, the children were always sent out of the room. They did not sit there and observe the conversation and listen to the conversation of adults. We showed respect. We, we went somewhere else. We did something else. And, and we, we learned to behave, to, to, to behave orderly. Uh, and, and this is uh, just simply not done too much today. Uh, I, I used to laugh several years ago about uh, how parents had leashes for their children. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, kids are so wild today, you take them out in public, you got to have them on a leash to control them because they're, they're so wild. And it wasn't that way when I was young. We were, taught, we were taught to behave. So good conduct is what I'm talking about today. Good conduct. As a Christian, we should live a life uh, in good conduct. In our text this morning, Jesus spoke of bearing fruit. Now, there's a lot of debate Concerning this word fruit, uh, there are those today that would say this fruit, the, fr- the word fruit is representative of souls one. It's representative of, of soul winning work, bearing much fruit. Uh, however, I, I submit to you that is not the case. I'm sorry, it's just not the case. Uh, no place in scripture, no place in scripture are the souls of men uh, described as fruit. They're described as the harvest. They're described as wheat. They're they're described in in other fashions, but not as fruit. Jesus described the souls of men as a harvest. In John 4.35, we read, Say not ye, there are yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift your eyes and look on the fields, for they are are white already to harvest. Um, This is a, a reference by Christ to the souls of men. The harvest, the wheat, the fruit Jesus spoke of in John 15 is the manifestation of the spirit in a person's life. This is important to understand. The fruit is the manifestation of the spirit in a person's life. In Matthew chapter 7, let's turn there. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. And we'll read together from... Uh, beginning at verse number 16, Matthew chapter 7, and beginning at verse 16. We read here, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather uh, grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. 
Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. So we can see here the fruit mentioned here is the result of our doctrine. It's the result of teaching in our lives. Good doctrine equals good fruit. Corrupt doctrine equals corrupt fruit. Good doctrine will produce good conduct, if you will. Uh, Paul further states this in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, where he says, If this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, if we conduct our life in submission to and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we will not live with poor conduct or the works of the flesh. We, in fact, will conduct our life after the similitude of Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we read, But the fruit of the Spirit, here's that word fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And I want, I want you to understand here that the word fruit is singular. The fruit of the Spirit. Uh, a person who... A person who lives in the vine, and I, I taught a whole series of lessons on this one time. Uh, if, we, if we abide in the vine, if we, if we abide in Christ, then the fruit from God flows through the vine, from the vine, through the branch, which is us, and produces this fruit in our life. And this fruit is our conduct. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's singular. I was going to bring in an apple this morning and cut it open and show you the different parts of an apple, but even though there are different parts of it, it all constitutes an apple, right? But I got hungry and ate it, so I couldn't bring it in this morning and show it to you. But you understand what I'm saying. There are several parts to a fruit, but the whole is, is the fruit. And all of these attributes, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, these are all products of the Holy Spirit. They're all, they're all the fruit that comes to us from, from God the Father, from Jesus the vine, through the branches, to you and I, and therefore our life is, is lived in good conduct. And, and that becomes a disciple. So it's obvious that discipleship requires some things. It requires commitment, it requires conformity, and it requires conduct. Now, with the time I have this morning, and you guys have moved the clock on me, so, uh, yeah, there it is, okay. Don't stand in front of that clock, Kyle. I'll throw a book at you or something. I need to see what time it is. Uh, with the time I have, I want to consider this conduct. So turn with me. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1. I washed my hands this morning. I can't do a thing with them. I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 1. And we'll begin at verse number 10. We see here in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10, that ye might walk worthy, now that word walk means conduct our lives, our conduct, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful, there's that word again, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering, with joyfulness. Uh, what affects our conduct? I thought about that when I was 
when I was writing this message years ago, what affects a person's conduct? What affects his behavior? And I, I thought of a few things, and you may be able to think of others, but these are, are, to me, are the most prominent. First letter A on your study sheet, what affects our conduct? Attitude. Attitude affects your conduct. Uh, I'm going to ask you to turn with me again. Let's go to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to just read a few verses. Daniel chapter 6, and we'll begin at verse 1. We read here, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. So he, he broke his kingdom up into 120 uh, precincts, if you will, or, 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 or uh, sections. Verse 2, and over, these three, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should not do damage. So these three were like, were like uh, governors. The 120, let's say they're like mayors of each little district, and then there are three governors, okay, and, and Daniel is the chief governor. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent, what's that next word? Excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. An excellent spirit. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about his attitude. Talking about Daniel's attitude. Let's read on. Verse 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful. Wow. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Okay, let's read verse 5. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Think about this for a moment. Think about the attitude of Daniel. Daniel is a captive of the Babylonian Empire. He was, he was taken away from his homeland as a, as a young man. I, I've said this before, studying, studying the history of this time, when one kingdom took over another kingdom, one of the first things they would do is kill all of the royalty. It would kill them all. But they would keep alive the children of the royals. Because these children were well educated. And they understood government. And they would take the children captive and they would bring them to their own land. And they would educate them in their, um, they would educate them to their principles and their, their living. And these young people would, would help them to rule the, the inhabitants taken from the other kingdom. Now, so Daniel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were four Hebrew children taken. And quite possibly they were of royal descent. And quite possibly, most likely, they witnessed the murder of their own parents. 
Now, I don't know about you, but that would make me pretty bitter. That would make me hate and despise Nebuchadnezzar, but not Daniel. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Despite all of this, Daniel maintained that excellent spirit or attitude. In fact, the Babylonians said, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. What a testimony. What an attitude Daniel had. In Daniel chapter 5 and verse 12, we read, For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams and showing of hard sentences and dissolving of doubts were found in the same Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar. So we see this excellent attitude, this excellent spirit in Daniel. Can the same be said of us today? Do... do if someone, if someone gives testimony of you, would they say that person has a great attitude, has an excellent spirit? Daniel had such a good attitude that he found perfect peace and joy even in this life of slavery. In America today, Christians develop a sour attitude uh, over the, the least of things, don't they? Uh, we are so spoiled that we get upset and we develop a bad attitude anytime things do not go the way we want them to go. Now don't look at me at, like a calf looking at a new gate. Because you know this is true. I wish I could stand up here and say I never develop a bad attitude, but I'd be lying because... I'm like, I'm like you and every other American. When things don't go the way we want, we develop a bad attitude. We saw that in the recent election, didn't we? Huh? Rioting in the street. All the things that are going on because my candidate didn't win. Well, what happened to America when we have an election and we vote? And, and when the new president takes office, we all get behind him, him or her her, and, and just go forward. Daniel had a great attitude, but I, I feared in America today, we don't have that. We have been warned that we will face disappointment and heartache, yet when it comes, uh, we, we develop bad attitudes. You know, Jesus promised us eternal life, but he didn't promise us that prosperity in this life, did he? But you see, that's what the prosperity preachers want to tell you. That God wants you to have an abundant life, and so everything for you is going to be peaches and keen uh, from here on out. Peaches and cream, I should say. But that's not the case. God didn't promise us that. Some, some are called to suffer. Some have, a, have a, an easier way than others, but we're all called to suffer for Christ. We've been warned. We're not to be caught unaware, we are, and we are to maintain a good attitude through all things. And everything give thanks, the Bible says. And everything give thanks. Well, in America, we want that just to be for the good things, but we don't want to give thanks to God for the bad things. But we give thanks to God for everything. Um, if pastor's unable to make it tonight, I'm going to preach about Job tonight. And uh, we're going to look at Job tonight. We're going to see that 
the kind of attitude we should have in our Christian life, even when things don't go well. Despite his circumstances, Daniel maintained an attitude of love and cooperation with his captors, and this good attitude caused him to live with a good conduct. And all of this propelled him to the highest office in the land. Oh, so often we fail and suffer loss in our life because of a bad attitude. And your attitude will affect your behavior. It will, your attitude will affect how you conduct your life. How's your attitude today? If it's, if it's bad, we need to get it in check. We need to remember the word of God. Remember the promises of God. And we need to remember that we are here to glorify God. So we can do that with a good attitude. Bad attitudes spoil so many things. And, and you've seen it as well as I have. And so let's, let's, let's purpose in our hearts today. As disciples of Christ, we're going we're to conduct our lives orderly and, and we're going to have the, this fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> this fruit of the Spirit is going to project through our lives. And it starts with our attitude. But not only does attitude affect your behavior, but secondly, letter B, awareness. Awareness affects your conduct. Let's turn now to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Turn with me, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to read... Just a couple of verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. Awareness is what we're talking about. Look at verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. You ought to circle those words in your Bible. Ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. What was the price? What's that? The shed blood of Jesus Christ. You are bought with a price. Therefore, uh, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, or your attitude, which are God's. Ye are bought with a price. It was a very steep price to purchase your soul. It was a price you and me would not be willing to pay. But Jesus paid it. Now, I am amazed at how easy it is to forget about God. Now, nobody wants to admit that. But all of us, at times in our life, we forget about God, don't we? You get so involved in something, and, and something's taking place, and, and you're, you're so focused, and you're so involved, and all of a sudden you come to yourself and say, wait a minute. And we forget about God at times. We do. In Luke chapter 15, we read, and when, and when he came to himself, when he came to himself, talking about the prodigal son here, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, 
and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. You see, we forget. We get, we get so involved and we get so focused. We forget. But notice, notice that phrase I just read. He came to himself. It's like he woke up. He became aware. He suddenly became aware that his father had food enough to, and to spare, and he suffered all this want. One of the things that will affect our conduct is awareness. Awareness usually causes a person to change directions, to change what they are doing. Let's say you're traveling down a highway, and you believe you're going in the right direction. And all of a sudden, you become aware of the fact that you're on the wrong road. Are you just going to keep going down that road? Hmm? Is everybody awake today? Okay, you suddenly become aware that you should be on Interstate 10, but you're on Interstate 40. Are you just going to keep, say, oh, well, I'm on 40, but it's okay, I'll just keep going. No, no, what are you going to do? You're going to change directions, right? You're going to pull out your GPS and you're going to punch the things and you're going to get it to say, help me, show me where to go. That awareness is going to cause you to change your direction. It causes a, awareness in our, our Christian life causes a change in behavior. It'll cause us to, 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 to go to the word of God and, and to seek the right directions. It'll change our conduct. And far too often believers are living in ignorance of God, ignorance of his word, and ignorance of his principles. They're sleepwalking through life. Anybody, any, any of you ever sleepwalk? Any of you ever have that problem? I did one time when I was younger. I, I, I was sleepwalking. And my, my father woke me up and I didn't even realize what was going on. But that's how we are as Christians often. We, we're sleepwalking through life. We, we've, we've become oblivious to what's happening around us. Or, or we're, we're completely ignorant of truth. That's the case for a lot of Christians who who are not in good churches where they're taught doctrine. They're ignorant of truth. So, they're living in ignorance of God. They're being taught corrupt and compromised doctrine. But they also live in ignorance because of their corrupt nature. They lack the courage and concern to conduct their lives in righteousness because they have no real faith. They have no no real faith because they have no foundation in their life. And they have no foundation in their life because their spiritual teaching rests on weak foundations. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we read, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And, and we need to be so careful that the doctrine that we're being taught and the foundation that is laid in our life is the solid rock of Jesus so that we can build upon it and we can grow and we can, we can learn to conduct ourselves as true disciples of Christ. Our behavior or our conduct is adversely affected by our attitude and it is also affected by 
our awareness. This is why it's so important that you fathers in this room or, in some cases, you grandfathers in this room teach your children solid doctrine. You have an option. You have an option. You can sit your children down at night. You can turn the television off. You can put away the, the games. You can grab your Bible and you can sit down and you can teach them. Or you can go ahead and leave the TV on. You can let them play the video games and those things will indoctrinate them. And their attitude, their conduct in life will, will be formed by those things. So the choice is yours, dads. And by the way, don't, don't, don't put this on your, on your wife. The wife's to be a good example in the home and she's to teach the children. But the primary teaching of, of biblical truth in the home rests on the father, not the pastor. Too many people bring their children to church and say, Pastor, teach my children. But you know who the pastor should, is supposed to be teaching? Can anyone tell me? The fathers. The pastor teaches you, dads. You go home and teach your wife and children. Now, I know that's not popular. But that's the way God intends it to be. By the way, that's why women are to keep silent in church. And that's not my law, so don't, don't get angry at me, ladies. That's God. God teaches the, the men. God wants the men to be taught so they can go home and teach their children. If your children end up going bad, don't, don't blame the church and don't blame the pastor. Blame yourself. It's your fault your fault. So, I got off my track here. I got to get back on. Uh, where am I? I don't know. Here I am. Uh, awareness. Attitude affects our behavior. Awareness. And then thirdly, letter C, acquaintances. These are, the, these are the things that affect our conduct. These are the things that affect the way we live. Our attitude, our awareness, and our acquaintances. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. There are two ways, two types of people in this world. There are leaders and followers. Each of us are influenced by those we call friends. And this is a truth-supported by scripture. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, we read, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. I tell this story a lot when we had our school here, the high school class met in that classroom right back there, and our school office for a while was over here. One day, it was lunchtime, the teenagers were all sitting at the table having lunch, and I, I needed to go to the office. So I started to walk across the auditorium. And Andrew Burton, how many of you remember Andrew? Andrew Burton jumped up and ran over and, and, and started walking lockstep with me. And when we got about to right here, I stopped and looked at him and said, what are you doing? He said, Mr. Abshar, the Bible says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. So I wanted to walk with you. I said, well, thank you, Andrew. Now go sit down. 
Far too many wrongly think that they can, that they can involve themselves with corrupt religion or corrupt people and not be affected. But this is not true according to Scripture. I don't have time to turn to it. I only have five more minutes. But you can read later in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 where the Lord tells us to come out from among them and be separate and not join ourselves to those crowds. This applies not only to those from without the church, but also sometimes to those that are within the church. Listen, you're not going to sit with those that hate our church and hate our pastor and not become affected. You're not going to befriend people that hate Berean Baptist Church or that, that, or that oppose Pastor Smith. You're not going to acquaint yourself with people like that and not be affected in some manner. What did the devil do to Eve? He did what? He planted what in her mind? Doubt. Yea, hath God said? He planted doubt in her mind. And at the moment she needed to be strong, she was weak. And you know, a critic will plant doubt in your mind. And you'll begin, that, that doubt will begin to grow. And soon you may find yourselves questioning things. So our acquaintances, we have to be careful about this. Just because someone is in the church doesn't mean that they're the kind of person you should associate with. Love them, yes. Pray for them, yes. But associate with them, eh, maybe not. And, and, and don't be snooty about it. Just be kind. Psalm 1.1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. If you are a true disciple of Christ, you cannot fellowship with those that would desire to see the work here um, destroyed and remain free from corruption. You will be corrupted. 1 Corinthians 15.33, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt. Good manners. Young people, that's why it's important. It's important that you choose your friends wisely. And by the way, when I was growing up, there were some, young, there were some people, my daddy said, you are not going to run around with those kids. He didn't ask me, Do you, would you like? Would you think maybe you could not run? You, I will not, if I catch you with those kids, you are going to get it. You know, your parents can't be your friends. And parents, you can't be your children's friend. Now, my children are on grown. Now I can be their friends. But when I was raising them, I couldn't be their friend. I needed to be the disciplinarian. I needed to be their parent. Evil communications corrupt good manners. I have to continue. If we encounter these type of people, what should we do? Three things real quick and I'll be done. First of all, ignore them. Ignore them. You know, everything doesn't need a response. Everything doesn't need a response. Right, right now, when at work, people come up to me about, about President Trump. Oh, what do you think about that? Oh, what do you think about that? Oh, what do you think about I just change the subject. I just, I just ignore them. I pretend they didn't say a thing. You say, Brother Abstract, do you agree with everything uh, President Trump's doing? Uh, let's see. Next point is, 
Consider the response of Nehemiah when he was harassed by the Arabians in Nehemiah chapter 6. What did Nehemiah do when Tobias and Sanballat came to him as he was building the wall and harassed him? And said, ah, if a fox jumps on that wall, it's going to fall over. (laughs) What did he do? The Bible says he just ignored them and he continued to work. And sometimes that's what we have to do. Just ignore them. Number two, pray for them. Listen, but by the grace of God, so go we. Hmm? We could be right where they are. You and I are better than, not better than anyone else. We might be more aware, therefore our attitudes are better, but we're not better than anyone else. Matthew 5.45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. I've been praying, saying, Lord, the unjust have had, not, had enough rain now. The unjust have had enough rain, so you can go ahead and turn off the faucet. Pray for them. And then lastly, separate from them. Separate from them. 1 Corinthians 5.11 But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner. With such as one, no, not to eat. Just separate from them. Now that doesn't mean, again, to be unkind to them or anything else. Just, hey, they say, hey, you want to come over for dinner? Sorry, I can't. Just be nice, be kind, just separate from them. Our conduct will be affected by our attitudes. It will be affected by our awareness, and then it is affected by our acquaintances. So a disciple has a fruitful life, and that fruitful life is, is our conduct. It's the way in which, it's the manner in which we live. So let's remember that. I hope this was helpful to you today. Uh, thank you, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org